You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. I think if I could, if I could change something, well, I'm I'm on the road to go change the the one major thing I want to change, which is I just want to see more diversity. And when I say diversity, I don't just mean racial diversity, black, white. You know, um, what I mean is gender and also socioeconomic diversity. Um, I want to change that for both of these sports because they're both amazing sports. And, and my sport of hunting is specific to upward hunting. I, I love large game hunting too, but I'm an upward hunter and a fly fisherman. And those sports are such cool sports. I want to see us change the way they, the way they look and who they speak to and how we speak to them and make them more accessible for a broader range of of people, more approachable. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by the folks at the Fly Crate. Get double the flies when you join their monthly fly club for a fun way to learn fly fishing and discover new flies each month. Just use the code DOUBLETHEFLIES at checkout or stock up on flies for your next trip and get free shipping on all orders of $15 or more. Go to www.theflycrate.com to adventure by the fly. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. So stoked you joined us today and guess what? We're going to take you uh, down to Texas. We've got Josh Crumpton on the line tonight out of Limberley, Texas. Now he's doing something pretty cool. Sporting Diversity Road Tour 2020. They're starting in the Texas Hill Country, heading to New Mexico and all over the states. We'll let you know about that. But basically um, dialing in some diversity when it comes to hunting and fly fishing. And I think this sounds pretty cool. Davin Topol is involved with this, as is Spoke Hollow Outfitters. Josh, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, tell tell me, first off, what inspired this trip for you? It sounds like a big undertaking. Uh, I know you're busy packing right now, but we're going to walk our way through this. Uh, <laughs> hopefully you won't forget anything. But uh, why don't you tell us why you started this journey? Well, so the reason we started this journey um, is back in May, sort of at the end of May, um, Orvis made a post. Um, as opposed to sort of racial tensions in the country were starting to heat up and, and Orvis sort of made this declaration that they acknowledged that the sporting world from a upland and uh, fly fishing standpoint had been predominantly white and male and not very diverse and that they made a declaration to make change. And you know, I um, taught myself how to fly fish when I was 12, mm-hmm. um, and I'm an adult-onset upland hunter. And that that post, I didn't know why, but it really moved me. I'm biracial. My dad is black. My mom is white. Mm-hmm. And um, that post kind of, I guess it picked a scab or opened a scar um, from some feelings that I had repressed. Um, and things that kept me from coming to hunting more so, but, but feelings that I had about fly fishing as a youth, not seeing people 
portrayed that look like me doing it. Um, I think it kept me from really being into the sports and gaining intrigue to those sports. Hmm. So days following Morbus's post, other companies came out and made posts. And in this kind of, it hit me so hard that I, I, I cried. I cried for um, a few days and I, I cried kind of on and off about, there were tears of joy. Uh, some of them were tears of anger and some of them were tears of shame and all for different reasons. Hmm. Happy to, to see the embrace that the um, sporting community was, was welcoming diversity um, or so much of it was um, angry and shameful angry because there were times where, where I had confronted, confronted sort of racist moments um, while on the water or in the field. Um, and I kind of, you know, heard pe- people make remarks, right? And I wouldn't say anything. I just kind of stuff it down and just sort of move on. Um, right. And that, that's where the shame came in, is, is that I didn't say anything. And ultimately, all this made me say, okay, something's got to change. I don't want anybody else to be waking up at 40 years old um, dealing with repressed feelings that they've been carrying on their whole life. Um, and so my lane is the hunting and fishing world. And Davin and I were having some beers and we're like, man, how cool would it be to just hit the road, drive around the country and um, just talk about diversity and lead by example. Hmm. And so that's kind of how this trip got born. Yeah, so now, how did you happen to come to uh, team up with Spoke Hollow Outfitters? Walk us through that. So, um, I am the owner of Spoke Hollow Outfitters. <laughs> well, that, that's um, a good start. <laughs> <laughs> but but the list of other people who have teamed up on, on this project with us is, is quite a few, um, and I definitely want to acknowledge them at some point in time because they're a great group of companies that are involved with what we're doing. Yeah. Um, Throw them out so, there whenever you're ready, well, how, too. Just so you know, I got I'm this. We are sponsored by the Fly Crate, but this is an open forum, so so whatever you want to throw out okay. there, just do it. Well, you know the, the the people who are partnered with us on this project in one way or another um, are in no particular order here. Um, the Flying Bee Ranch, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, Stewards of the Wild, um, Rambler, Real Ale, Real Spirits. House Fly Shop, Heads Up Fly Fishing, Sightline Provisions, um, Bar You Eat, Whiskey Leather Works, Chama Chair, Trout Unlimited, Frame Coffee, um, and Salmon River Tours. And we want to thank them all immensely for helping us in various different ways to make this road trip possible. Yeah, that sounds... Um, So, I mean, Sporting Diversity Road Tour 2020... You're heading out. You're you're literally packing as we're talking. I can hear you putting things away. What are you packing right now? <laughs> so right now I'm actually uh, getting ready. I'm pulling 20 gauge ammo, and I'm getting ready to change out some ammo cans to put in my dog trailer um, <laughs> because I'm actually I'll be we're doing this you know rough and ready style. We're literally going to be camping and sleeping out of our cars, and um, I'm towing a dog trailer four hole dog trailer with four of my dogs in it and uh we're gonna be 
hitting BLM land and uh, national forest and um, really kind of just doing it the way that I used to do my ski road trips when I was a kid. And I'm super excited about it. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun. And I, I know that Davin is uh, is a distiller, so I'm thinking he might have a little whiskey in there too for you maybe? He is. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, Davin, you know, every time Davin's around, there's always some sort of really good uh, bottle of whiskey. And um, he's always the guy who can tell you the most about it because he made it. So, um you know, Davin and I have been friends for really only about a year and a half, but um, we've become really good friends. And, you know, that's kind of what I feel like um, fly fishing, angling in the outdoors kind of does is you meet people and if they have a passion for these sports like you do. Um, you really bond really fast. Oh, yeah. And deeply. 100%. I, I find that with this podcast. I just, whoever I talk to, it's just like you're talking to an old buddy. And, uh, you know, it, it's like that every time. Um, so, I mean, this sounds like a bit of a dream trip. So you're going to do some, some upland bird hunting. You're going to do some fly fishing. Uh, what, what, what kind of hunting are you doing? Talk about that a little bit. Cause this is primarily obviously a, a fly fishing podcast, but, um, we got a lot of hunters that listen. So walk us through the hunting journey you're taking. Yeah. So we're going to be hunting for upland birds. And if everything works out right, we'll um, hunt for some grouse in New Mexico. Um, in Colorado, we will maybe hunt for some uh, sage grouse and sharp tails and maybe get it up into some higher altitudes and hunt tarbigan. Um, when we get over to Idaho, our focus, uh, which is where we'll go after Colorado, our focus will be on pheasant um, and chucker. And uh, we're going to be hunting a couple of different places. Um, one place will be the Flying Bee Ranch in Kamei. Um, and that'll kind of be, we'll have been sleeping in our cars for quite a while. And the Flying Bee is sort of like a, a luxury Orvis um, <laughs> wing shooting lodge. And so this is kind of going to be like the nice break uh, in our trip. And then we're going to leave Kamei and we're going to travel over um, to a different part of Idaho um, on the Salmon River. And uh, when we get to the Salmon River, we're actually going to take uh, jet boats up with um, Salmon River tours. And we're going to stay at a place called the Ram House Lodge that's about 25 miles in on the Frank Church Wilderness. We're taking our dogs, we're taking our fly rods, and we're going to be targeting at this part of the time of the year steelhead mm-hmm. and chucker. Perfect. So I'm super stoked about that part of the trip. So. I mean, I know something cool about this trip, too, that you guys are doing. When Davin reached out and you reached out, it's like, well, we're going to be on the road, but we want to talk to different fly fishing or outdoor podcasts as we go. So this is kind of a uh, a teaser, if you will, to kind of get your story, get what you guys are up to. And then the next show, we're going to talk to you guys on the road and really dig into the trip, kind of find out what's going on, maybe drink a little whiskey alongside with you and Davin. That sounds uh, sound all right. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> you know, I would love to check back in with you and kind of fill you in on what we're up to and where we've been. And we'll probably sound a little more road weary and uh, have some serious stories for you. How did you get into fly fishing just to begin with? Like, I've, that's something I always like to ask my guests is how did the journey start for you? So the journey for me began at 12 years old. So, um... I have 
lived a pretty darn good life. I cannot complain. A lot of people have had it a lot rougher than me. And one of the places that I lived and grew up in was um, a town in Colorado, Telluride, Colorado. And um, in Telluride, we, um, everybody had charge accounts, okay? So everything, the grocery, the sporting goods store, everything was on charge account. You just go in and give your name. Well, a friend of mine by the name of John Gowdy, um, his dad took him fly fishing a whole bunch. And my dad really wasn't into hunting or fishing or any of those things. Um, so I didn't really get to spend a lot of time with him doing that with him. And really he worked a whole lot. So we didn't spend a lot of time together in general. Um, but when I heard about how good of a time my friend John Gowdy and his dad had fly fishing, I actually, I went into the local sporting goods store and I charged an Orvis fly rod to my parents' account. And I totally got in trouble for this. But I went out and just started teaching myself how to fly fish. And uh, I think after I got in trouble, my mom actually got me a casting lesson. And, um, you know, I didn't do this with my dad. It was something that I did alone. But it was definitely driven by my friend John Gowdy and him sharing those moments with, with his dad. So I tell you what, thank God I don't have a charge account because that could get ugly fast. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I grew up uh, fishing the San Miguel River in Tyrone, Colorado. Okay. Okay. So that's that's kind of where you got your waders wet and kind of uh, started this, this epic journey. Um, if you had to pick a couple people that have been influential in, in your fly fishing, Josh, is there a couple of names that come to mind? Yeah, I'm going to, in fact, I'm going to dr- just drill that down to really one person because there was one, one man who was really significantly, um, well, no, I'm going to put two out there actually. Um, that, there's definitely two people. So in my earlier years, um, a man by the name of Dan Lansing, who um, was our neighbor in Telluride and lived behind me and had two boys, uh, Todd and Nathan Lansing. And Dan saw, um, when I was about 13, about a year after I'd been sort of trying to teach myself how to fly fish, he really, he saw I was doing this and he just said, hey, why don't you come with me and my boys and we'll go and we'll go fishing. And so Dan went out of his way to take me out and take me fishing um, on numerous occasions. And in fact, I talked to him. I hadn't talked to him in years and I talked to him for the first time in years uh, about two months ago and thanked him for that. And um, so he was probably the first influential person in fly fishing for me. Um, And then the second influential person. So I went through that, that part of your life where you work all the time and you don't have time to do anything. Mm-hmm. and fly fishing kind of fell to the wayside for quite a while. Um, and, you know, I'd do it on occasion here and there, but it wasn't like, man, I really cut the time out and just made it happen. Um, my father-in-law, about 13 years ago, 12, 13, I guess, um, he took me to Wallace, Idaho, which is a town he grew up in, on a trip, uh, like a son-in-law, father-in-law trip. And got me back out on the St. Joe River, um, which is amazing western slope, uh, western slope cutthroat trout river. Right. Um, and it's got some some bulls in there too. 
don't don't tell anyone. Oh wait, we just did tell. <laughs> well, it's I can a great, edit. Great place, and it and it no no, it, it, leave it because you know it deserves a little more foot traffic out there. Um, it, it's a great river, and I hope more people appreciate and enjoy it. Um, but he kind of got me back into fly fishing, yeah. and so you know those are the two two major influencers for me. Josh, I want to get to know you a little bit off the water. You ready for a few random questions? Sure. <laughs> All right. So when you guys are setting out on this epic journey tomorrow, you got everything packed. What are you listening to on the way to the water? Uh, what kind of music you like? Oh, man, I'm probably listening to... Right now, I rotate. I listen to a lot of stuff. But I'm probably listening to some... Adam Carroll. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Adam Carroll. He's a local Wimberley guy. Americana singer. Cool. So, yeah. One, one, of, one of his albums, for sure. One go-to fly pattern that you can't live without on this trip. So if we open up your fly box right now, and you're probably going to be throwing what? Oh, my gosh. On this trip, I'm going to be fishing for, for some fish in conditions that I don't normally fish with but the one thing that's always in my in my box on the on the hope and pray that i can use it is like parachute atoms but i won't be using that much on this trip because of the 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 climate your favorite place to talk fly fishing is there a well you got it you got an outfitter so maybe that's the spot but is there a coffee shop a fly shop a watering hole locally you like to get your fix when you're not in the river Oh man, I was I was gonna say in the river, but okay. So <laughs> in the non-river place where I like to to talk fly fishing. Oh man, it's probably gonna be there's a little place here in Wimberley called Community Pizza, and it's probably gonna be there over over a beer um, or maybe a, a sotol. <laughs> That's cool. Let's talk sports. Um, where do you get your fix in sports? Oh are you a pro college? Uh, are you football, baseball? I mean, you're you're in no, Texas, so I, you get really. No, I don't. So here's the thing: is like so funny. Like I don't keep up with any pro sports. Um, I'm a skier. You could ask me about skiers. I love skiing. That's that's like a thing that I do. Are we talking mo- moguls or downhill slalom? What are we talking? Oh man, all all of it, all of it, moguls. You know, uh, downhill. Like I I love all skiing. Um, but you know, it's funny. There's there's there was a guy who came fishing with us, and he posted a fish, and like on his comment, um, Drew Brees um, made a made a comment on there, mm-hmm. and I guess Drew Brees is like a I don't know, he's a football quarterback dude <laughs> yeah for like I, you could say that the, yeah so so he makes a comment and like the guys all these guys and everybody like dude it's drew, drew Brees. i'm like drew barrymore who i don't know man. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> i didn't know so now i, I do know <laughs> i did not know at that point in time oh so, man so skiing you know michaela sheffrin you know uh bodie bodie yeah yeah you know those those downhillers that stuff i love it yeah, for sure. Um, biggest lesson you've learned in your journey through fly fishing. So if you had to kind of distill it down to a single takeaway, what you've taken off the water and, and brought back to your everyday life, what would that be? Uh, so um, 
there's several ways to probably word this. The journey is more important than the destination. The process is more important than the end goal. Um, and enjoying where you are, that it's not always about catching fish, that it's about being in the now and truly enjoying what you're doing and that there's always a story on either side. And I learned that from both fishing and hunting. And I, and I always reflect on these pictures of people holding big fish or these pictures over animals that they've, that they've hunted and shot. And that to me is the most boring part of the story. Hmm. The best part of the story is everything that happens around that moment. Yeah. Everything, everything in between, right? Yeah, it is. Well, and, and you so know, in life, I, I'm going to say that that is why I asked the questions like, what are you listening to? What are you thinking about? What, um, who are your, you know, what's your favorite sports team? I know that's a weird thing, but for me, that's all part of the package. So when you're driving, the anticipation of driving to the water with your buddy, having that good conversation, um, having something maybe nice to drink or eat, um, just that whole buildup. And then, like you say, it, we sometimes are so focused on catching fish. It's the actual in between. It's, it's, it's the, and I know it sounds cheesy, but it's true. And I, I think you verbalize that really well. Thanks. You know, I, I truly believe that that's, that's what it is. And that's, that's what I, what I've learned, you know, hmm. and I try to apply that with all my kids. Um, that it's, it's, it's not the graduation. <laughs> it's all the stuff. in between. <laughs> That's you know, so true. You got to be there for all those big moments too, though. Like they won't let you live it down if you're not there for all those big moments. But really, it's 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 all the studying for the test that, that they hopefully get the A on. Days, days and nights spent with them. Fill in the blank for me. When I'm not fishing, I'm usually doing what? Uh, hunting or <laughs> spending time with the kids. Yeah, fair enough. Best job you've ever had. Is are are you doing it? Yeah, I'm living my best job right now. <laughs> being being an outfitter, um, and you know I'm I'm more on the outfitter side, not on the guide side. I don't really get to go out there as much as I'd like to. I, I upland guide more than I than I when I get out on the water. Um, but being able to share the stories with people. That's what I love this job. It's such a great job because I get to see other people engaging the outdoors sometimes for the first time. It's amazing. We're chatting tonight with Josh Crumpton out of Limberley, Texas. Now, Josh has got a, uh, he's putting on a pretty special trip. He's packing for it right now, heading out the door tomorrow for uh, a sporting diversity road tour starting in the Texas Hill Country. Uh, he's got his good buddy Davin Topol on board, Spoke Hollow Outfitters. And they're going to do basically a hunting, fishing trip, kind of, um, we'll explore the diversity on the water, off the water. Talk to me about that a little bit, what that means to you to kind of um, get out. Like, are, are these a bunch of buddies you've met over the years, kind of being in the outfitting uh, business that you want to hook up with? Or, or t talk to us about who you're going to meet up with on this journey. So, yeah, we're meeting up with a, with a ton of people. And, um, you know, so some of them are new friends. Some of them are old friends. Some of them are just people that we've been riffing back and forth on Instagram with. And, uh, which is, you know, a kind of cool platform when you, when you use it in that fashion to connect with people. 
Um, some of these are people that we're going to be meeting for the first time ever. Um, but along the way, we're going to be doing um, interviews with people that we're going to be recording. And that's where a lot of this diversity is going to come in because we've got people that we're going to pull into our trip from all over the place. But we're going to go see my friend um, Nick Strait in, um, at the Taos Fly Shop in New Mexico and his partner Ivan. Um, his partner Ivan is a Hispanic gentleman. And um, so we're definitely going to have a deep dive into diversity with him. And then uh, also in New Mexico, we're going to go uh, visit with um, a friend of mine, Harris, who um, is with the Trout Unlimited in New Mexico. And we're going to go look at a Trout Unlimited project to um, divert Willow Creek and um, remove all of the invasive species of fish and replace them with native Rio Grande cutthroat trout. And Willow Creek is a tributary to uh, the Pecos, which is ultimately flows into the Rio Grande. Um, so outfitters, conservationists, um, we'll be visiting with a friend of mine, Eddie Anderson, out in Idaho. Um, he's an artist, uh, has drawn, drawn covers from like uh, Grace Sporting Journal. I think he did the 40th anniversary cover for those guys. He's been... Um, um, artists in residence for Patagonia and Nissan. So artists, conservationists, other guides, my friend BJ Wally at the Flying Bee, and a fellow Texan, Ryan O'Shaughnessy, who hunts wild birds out in West Texas as a partner on my little adventure out there, is going to come out and visit us. Um, I don't want to forget anybody. So you got uh, pheasants, but, uh, pheasants forever? We do. We have some pheasants forever. We're going to be visiting some pheasants forever is on board with us, and we're going to be visiting some of their um, conservation sites um, where they have created um, upland areas um, or um, or hab or rehabitated upland areas, and we're going to hunt some of those areas. So we're definitely going to be fishing some streams that Trout Unlimited has impacted, hunting some as areas that Pheasants Forever has impacted. And we're going to have a um, uh, a new friend of mine. Um, gentleman by the name of Brian Grossenbacher along. He's a photographer, so he'll be along with us. Um, and uh, Rachel McClendon, she'll be along with us. She's a hunter and angler. Um, and so, yeah, I'm super stoked. So many places and a lot of different people. Yeah, it sounds sounds like an amazing trip. I, I'd like to take it down to a little deeper level for you because I know this, this means a lot to you. And you'd mentioned, you'd alluded to, um, you know, kind of reading that Orvis kind of call out, you know, to the industry saying, Hey, um, how do we diversify the outdoors in general? And talk to that a little bit, you know, as somebody that's kind of lived it, um, what are you seeing that you maybe really like what's going on out there? And what are some of the things you think we can do a little better at? Well, the first thing that I like, I'm going to start there is that people are coming to the table and they're willing to talk. And that, that is, that's the biggest piece. People are acknowledging, you know, we could do better at this. And at the same time, we don't have to have the answer of how to do better at it. That's, that's the, the moment when you say we can do better and we're willing to listen. Um, that's, that's the moment in time where, where change can happen. And so I think, you know, the job for people like me now, is when an Orvis 
or a Yeti um, or one of these companies comes to the table and says, we want to depict the outdoors in a different way. Now, my job is to help by sharing my opinion in a non-judgmental and non-confrontational role. Um, there's, there's a company recently um, that, that I saw lack diversity. I'm not going to name the company's name, um, but I saw they lack diversity. And they posted something on social that I kind of found, found, you know, racially insensitive. And I called their, their marketing director because I knew him and had a conversation with him. I said, Hey, I saw this thing and it made me feel this way. And he said, well, you know what? I never thought of it that way. And I said, well, you know, and I know that and I know you, so I'm just calling to let you know. And he was like, well, thanks. And so ultimately the end of that conversation was him saying, I don't know how to, to do this. I don't know how we approach this. And I said, well, here's the thing. Call me up and ask me anything you want to know. You're not going to offend me. Don't feel like you're going to ask me a question that's going to hurt my feelings because it may be racially insensitive. Put it out there and I'll honestly tell you how I feel. Hmm. I think that we're, that we're at this point where we're having these conversations is the most amazing thing ever. I, you know what I like what you said there, though, is... I think a lot of it is in the approach because, you know, if any of us get our hackles up over anything or you kind of get your back up, it's not a good place to come from. But if you can kind of sit down and have a, like you say, if people are willing to talk about it, that's, 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 that's 95% of the battle. And then, um, I think there's so many things right now. People are trying to be PC and they're trying to present the right image, but when you deal with companies that are actually living that, which I think, you know, I think Orvis is a good one, a good example of that. They're trying to change things, and um, you got to kind of take your hats off to them. You really do. It comes from a genuine place. You know, when you see it come from a genuine place, it means a, a lot. Um, it's not just it's not just a dollars and cents thing. You know, I had a, d- a long conversation with a friend of mine the other day. Like all these companies are just, they just want the business, the dollars and cents. They're not looking for anything else. And I said, you know, the thing is that I don't think it's the dollars and cents because women, black people, Asian people, um, Hispanics, they have all been hunting and fishing for a long time. There's been a group of us out here. You know, I started fly fishing 33 years ago. The challenge and the place where I think we need to do better is we need to show those people. Um, Because the thing is, they've been there forever. Black people have been hunting forever. But you didn't used to open a field and stream or open an Orvis catalog and see see them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, (laughs) no, that's that's fair comment. That's fair comment. And so now when we can shine a spotlight on those people, it will make the sport more welcoming to it'll make both fly fishing up and hunting all these sports more welcoming to a more diverse crowd yeah and then you know what we need that no we do and and i think too the the, the one big thing the more people uh i don't care what color what race what religion what whatever um sexuality whatever you're the more people that go to the water and want to experience the outdoors, the more people that are going to be embedded in it and the more conservation and the more that the resource will benefit also. That, that's so it. That is such, that's such the thing that I'm 
that I'm preaching over and over again out there is like the more people, the more conservation efforts we can have. And ultimately, the more conservation efforts we have, the healthier our planet is and the healthier we are. We are only as healthy as this planet and we have to conserve it if we want it to remain healthy. On a lighter note, what's the weirdest yep. thing you're packing up right now for this trip? Huh. Um, let's see. I've got some pretty bizarre stuff, um, especially as I'm getting older. I'm kind of like I'm taking strange stuff on the road, right? And some of the stuff is like I'm like, man, young me would would slap you if we, if we saw you putting that in in the <laughs> in the. Uh, God, what is the weirdest thing? So I'm, I'm packing a Dyson, um, heater that I'm going to use in my car, which is something that I would have never packed when I was younger. Um, oh, I'm packing a Brayville stove. I've got a, I've got a 3000 watt inverter in my dog trailer. (laughs) And so I'm actually (laughs) bringing, bringing a little stove along. Oh no, here it is. Record player. I'm packing a record player. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's the weirdest thing, right? So we'll be camping, and we're going to have some records. Okay, so that begs yeah. a question. What albums are you bringing? Oh, man. So uh, the top of my album list is a blues guy by the name of Marcus King. Uh, he's amazing. Just put an album out in 2020. I'll check him out. Um, I've got. If you haven't heard him, check him out. No, I haven't. kid's like 23, 23 years old. Uh sings the blues in a way that you think he's like a 60 year old black man. And then it turns out he's a 23 year old white kid. (laughs) (laughs) He is so talented. Um, so he's top of my list. And then I've got some Zeppelin in there and, uh, I've got a little Sergeant Peppers in the lineup. Can't go wrong there. No, love them. Love, love the Beatles and Zeppelin both. You uh, are you're a big vinyl guy, obviously. You know, I would not put myself in the large collector, but I do appreciate a good vinyl record. Mm-hmm. And um, and so does my friend Davin, and he's got a nice collection of vinyl. And uh, we're going to be crazy enough to take our vinyl out there, and we'll probably probably get scratched, and we're going to regret it. But you know what? We're going to give it a go. I gotta I gotta take you to the water because. Um... I need you to put your artist hat on for a second, Josh, and and tell me, describe your perfect day on the water. So if you could have your day, your way on this trip, what does that look like? Like what kind of fish are you chasing? Um, what what kind of water are you wading? Dial us in on that. So what I'm looking forward to on this trip and my perfect day is um, I spend most of my summers um, when I can, as much of them as I can, in a little town called Wallace, Idaho, where um, we have a house. It's the house that my father-in-law's um, grandparents built in 1906. Um, and it's so cool being there in the summer with the whole family because you've got four, four generations um, in a house from 1906 all at once enjoying the outdoors. Um, so my day is going to be waiting the St. Joe River, and I'm going to be throwing um, probably a six-weight glass rod. Um, hmm. 
mm. maybe a seven. I'll be throwing some sort of sculpin pattern, pattern streamer, and I'll be lower in the river because I don't know where the fish are going to be right now. And I'll be hoping to um, hook up with uh, with a bull trout, which you can legally fish for and target in Idaho now. So, um, uh, hopefully, my buddy Davin will still be with me during that part of the trip. It's uh, he may not be able to stay with me during that part of the trip, um, but hopefully he's there. And we're drinking some whiskey, and uh, the best part of that trip is probably going to be a little bit of like just a streamside lunch and hanging out and drinking some whiskey. Cool. So, Sound, that sounds pretty good. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be right past – it'll be one of the last things that happens on this trip. So it should be, it should be great. Have you got any crazy fish stories? that have happened to you on the water. So, you know, in other words, you're not going to believe this, but we were out and, 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 and this happened. It, it doesn't even have to be fish related, but just anything weird happened to you out there? Um, I have a, a super disappointing story that, that happened recently. Um, you know, saltwater is something that's, that's fairly new to me. Um, I grew up trout streams and then, um, bass in the hill country and then saltwater is something that i kind of came to uh later on so um i was down in i don't know how crazy this is but it, but it, everybody will, will resonate and go oh damn it you know <laughs> so uh, uh i was down in uh port o'connor texas recently fishing with a friend of mine um eric knippling and um we were out on a panga and we had rolled off uh, the coast past the jetties and we were out a little bit further and we were sort of chasing down some, some rolling tarpon. And, um, I, I had not caught a Texas tarpon yet. Um, and here we are. And all of a sudden there's just this, this small, small pod, but like big fish, hundred pound plus Texas tarpon. And I'm on the front of this panga and I'm in the casting platform and the fish are like literally 15 feet away from me. And I, I throw my line out and I'm kind of stripping through them. And this fish looks me in the eye with that big old saucer eyeball and comes up and just inhales the fly. And I look down and here comes this, you probably hear it coming already and I've got line all on the water and I'm screaming at myself what are you doing as I'm mid trout set and I trout set this time I can't believe I'm even admitting to this story but but it was just it's just that reflex it's that because I grew up trout fishing my whole life you know that was the reflex was like man get tight get tight, lift it up, you know, and mm-hmm. I pulled the, the, the fly out of the tarpon's mouth and I cried. And I, I was literally, as I'm doing it, I'm telling myself, stop. Like my mouth is saying, stop. My, my, my body, the muscle reaction is just doing it. I have that fly in my, in my, um, suburban and it goes everywhere with me now to remind me never, never <laughs> trout set again when I'm on the salt. You know, you're about the fifth guy to tell me a story similar to that as far as trying to trout set a tarpon. So it's, you're not alone. 
<laughs> I felt very miserable and alone at the well, time. I think I think that's just the DNA. You know what I mean? You're out there, you're fishing. It's what you know. I mean, I, I I'm pretty sure I do the exact same thing. Hey, I got a weird question for you. Do you know Aaron Reed? Oh yeah, Love I thought. Aaron. I had Aaron Reed on the podcast, and I, I, I thought you might know him because he did the, that book on fly fishing Austin and Central Texas, and I know he's pretty tight with uh, with Davin, so I, I figured you might uh, be mutual friends. Yeah, I love his book. It's a great book. Fantastic book. Good resource for somebody who's starting in the fly fishing world. You mentioned you're taking dogs on this trip. Now, what what, um, what kind of dogs you got? Um, so I'm taking a chihuahua. Um, uh, and then I'm taking a German short hair pointer and I'm taking two English setters on this trip. So three pointing dogs and, and one lab, my flushing dog and my, my duck dog. If we get to get into some duck hunting, which I really hope we will on the trip. Uh, I'm sure they're going to be integral in the, in the hunting aspect, but is that going to be a bit of a challenge, you know, like as far as when you're out fishing, uh, what, what are the dogs doing or how's that going to work? Yeah. It's, it's definitely going to provide a challenge. It's going to compress the ability to be on the water as long as I would typically like to be, because I'm going to have to come back to the dogs. Um, right. Certainly going to going to provide a set of challenges um, when we're in Idaho and we uh, when we jet boat up the salmon. Um, I won't be able to take all four of my dogs, so um, I'm kind of having to navigate where the other dogs are going to stay while we're out in the Frank Church wilderness for you know, three days or so. Um, so but, I assume, you know, I mean, go ahead, but you know, it's not more, any more of a challenge than when I used to snow ski with my five and six year old, you know, um, you just give them a couple of ice creams and then you go into the bar and have five or six beers and come out and they're still there. <laughs> I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I know you are, but that's pretty funny. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. Um, yeah. Um, shoot, I lost my train of thought. That was a good one. Um, <laughs> if you could change something about uh, fly fishing, is there anything, or hunting, I mean, is there anything that kind of irks you about what we're doing, or maybe we could be doing a little better than we are? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think if I could, if I could change something, well, I'm, I'm on the road to go change the, the one major thing I want to change, which is I just want to see more diversity. And when I say diversity, I don't just mean racial diversity, black, white, you know, um, I, what I mean is gender and also socioeconomic diversity. Right. Um, I want to change that for both of these sports because they're both, amazing sports and, and my sport of hunting is specific to upland hunting I, I love large game hunting too but i'm an upland hunter and a fly fisherman and those sports are such cool sports i want to see us change the way they the way they look and who they speak to and how we speak to them and make them more accessible for a broader range of, of people mm-hmm. i i, I can totally I totally, I've been in some weird industries in my career and I was in the golf industry for a while and I saw it, I saw it in golf too. It's like, if you, 
in any sport, in any pastime, why would you not want to engage everyone? Do you know what I mean? Like, if you can bring it to the masses, and, and I, T- Tiger Woods did that with golf, right? So maybe fly fishing needs a Tiger Woods, or maybe fly fishing needs something to... And I like what you said about socioeconomic, because I, I agree with you on that 100%, because there's a lot of people that I know that think it's crazy expensive to go fly fishing. And the truth is, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. And same with golf. I mean, you don't need to have a $50,000 membership to go and enjoy hitting a bucket of balls at the range, or you know what I mean? So I think sometimes we just need to cut through the BS. And just distill it down, yeah, to the basics. Like, you know, fly fishing, you don't need a big fancy, you know, rod. You don't, you know, you just just grab a rod and grab, grab the, grab any rod and grab, grab a fly and get out there. You know, you don't need a zillion flies either. You don't need to have, you know, I I seem to amass, I don't know, sometimes I look and I go, oh my gosh, I have way too much money tied up in flies. Um, But, you know, you don't need that all. No, for sure. All you need is, you know, four or five good flies and a rod and, and, and the will to get out there. So, you know what? I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you got to get packed and I know you got to hit the road tomorrow bright and early, but, um, I want to thank you for doing this, but before, before we let you go, I want you to get all your social media out there so we can kind of follow along on your trip, like your spoke hollow outfitters, uh, you know, your, your, your Facebook, your Instagram, uh, any special kind of tags you have that we can kind of walk walk along or wait along with you on this uh, fly fishing hunting trip. Yeah, so thanks for letting me do that. So you can definitely find our feed at Spoke Hollow Outfitters um, on Instagram, and we'll be a lot of this will be coming off of Instagram. Our Facebook is also Spoke Hollow Outfitters. And the hashtag that you could follow would be hashtag sporting diversity. And um, we'll, if you're on those channels, you'll get all the news for any other related media that comes out of, out of this trip. Cool. So next question, how the heck am I going to get a hold of you to do this live podcast that we plan on doing next week? Because <laughs> you'll probably be in and out of cell service a lot. How are we going to make that happen? Smoke signals, smoke signals. No, no. We will. Um, I I have a pretty detailed itinerary of where we're gonna be, and I'm gonna send that to you. And okay. in it, I'm also going to be updating when and where we will not be in cell reception. So, but we do plan on being in reception for a lot of of the trip, at least well, for part part of the day. I'm hoping we can get you know like one evening around a campfire, one evening around you know, whatever, uh, a bevy, uh, get yourself, uh, Davin and, and, and possibly Edgar on to talk about what you guys have been up to and, and where you're at in the trip, trying to, uh, spread some diversity in, 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 in fly fishing and hunting specifically. Love what you're doing. Josh, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Thank you so much. The fly fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by the Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.